This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi, I'm the executive producer of the show. Today is show number 105 and is a part of our series Breaking Impact with a specific focus on Francophone Africa. I'm here with two great entrepreneurs from the African ecosystem and we will be joined by a third guest organizing the Africa FinTech Forum in a couple of weeks from now. I will, of course, immediately introduce them. And I will start by Hane. Hane Bezad, the founder of Duartec. Welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you very much, Matteo. Thanks for having me. And uh, our second guest is uh, Rafa, Rafael uh, Dana, uh, CEO and co-founder of Gozem. Rafael, welcome back to Breaking Banks. It's not the first time for you. Yes, thank you, Matteo, for having me again. I'm looking forward. So let's start a little bit by the usual, you know, two minutes of uh, intro. Hannah, you know, you're new to, to Breaking Bands. Just give us a, like the quick two minutes background, please. Sure. So uh, my name is Hannah. I'm a French Moroccan entrepreneur, uh, repatriated since 2017. So I moved back from Paris to Casablanca um, to set up a coding school uh, as part of a global franchise called Le Wagon. And at the time, it was the first African location of the network, but it was also the first uh, North African coding bootcamp. But I also came back with another project of mine, uh, which was uh, more inclusive in its, uh, in its intention. So the idea was to bring uh, tech and entrepreneurial skills to vulnerable youth in rural and peri-urban area. We started in 2017 as well as a volunteer-led uh, grassroots approach. Um, and we grew from this approach to now uh, 352 uh, beneficiaries that received the training from us. So either our own training or trainings that we implement for UNICEF or the U.S. Embassy or the likes. And through uh, powerful mechanisms of training of trainers, we also impacted the lives of uh, 880 uh, people uh, to this day. We have nine operational staff. We have a board now comprised of five uh, uh, seasoned uh, uh, professionals, and I'm chairing this board. And so, yes, my my um, my mission, I would say, is very much to to bring a contribution to at the intersection of ICT and development and diversity and inclusion. So there is no reason to no reason to explain why we wanted to to breaking impact. Uh, <laughs> Rafael, you are also impacting strongly uh, society of uh, different countries. Uh, tell us a bit, uh, a little bit more again about Gozem. Sure. So just just about me. So I'm Rafael Diana, French, uh, Tunisian, Swiss. Uh, lived in Singapore the last ten years. 
and are relocated now between Europe and Africa. And we started Gozem three years ago. It was our, our anniversary uh, last uh, Monday. Uh, and Gozem was a, it's a super app, fully inspired by the big Asian player like Grab and Gojek. And our goal is to put in place uh, one uh, experience where our user can find multiple services, but there are really basic services. And it's like transportation, it's like delivery, uh, some logistics, uh, and also some fintech. We have a leasing company. We finance vehicles for to our drivers. We call champions, and we have a wallet who's going to be on the license in January, where people are going to be able a lot of type of transaction from remittance to merchant payment. We are currently operating in Togo, in Benin, in Gabon. We'll we'll start Cameroon in two weeks, and then we're going to next year be deploying on the rest of the key francophone countries that include Ivory Coast, Mali, Senegal, and so on. Uh, 250 staff today raised 12 million dollars uh yeah so far so good growing really really fast great thank you so let's start with uh, like uh, um, i want to say a little bit of an intro right because uh, i actually checked and uh, the numbers rise between 150 and 200 million you know uh, belonging to what we called francophone africa but actually francophone africa is uh, you know a, a variety of ecosystems, right? And by the way, we have the chance here of having representative of uh, like North Africa, which is also francophone, but almost like another, uh, you know, I would say completely different ecosystem, much closer to Europe than uh, the the francophone Africa that you, Rafael, are uh, operating in. Uh, what are like the, the 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 differences and the commonalities of uh, of this uh, different uh, French uh, ecosystems uh, in the in the continent? Uh, Hannah, you wanna give it a shot? Sure. Um, I've had the chance to uh, visit uh, Sub-Sahara West Africa, but I was also located in East Africa. So I would say from these trips and these these uh, experiences. I have noticed indeed differences, but more commonalities than we, we think uh, uh, at, at, to this day. So North Africa, if we take Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, uh, Libya, Egypt, belongs to the Arab world. Uh, official languages are Arabic, but we have uh, a variety of others. If you take Morocco, for instance, Berber is one of them. Uh, we are closer to, to Europe in a way, but not so close. I mean, if you take the European Commission uh, segmentation, we're the southern neighboring countries, right? And so we have specific plans for it. Um, but we have, our, of course, our own challenges. It's the least integrated region in the world, which, uh, of course, makes it hard for entrepreneurs and bigger corporates alike to make business and, and really tap into the, 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 the vast potential. Uh, of, of our markets, and um, uh, we are quite fragmented in, in the consumption. If you take Morocco in itself, I think a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you uh, that it's a great place to start prototyping uh, products, but it's only 30, 35 million people, and so and 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 quite fragmented in the way they consume uh, this digital product, for instance. And so, uh, for that matter, it's been kind of a, a major incentive to for all entrepreneurs in this place 
to, to look at the, the potential of Africa as a whole and to understand better their belonging and their commonalities to, to the rest of uh, Africa. I think Morocco has super strong ties with countries like Senegal and, and Côte d'Ivoire for political reasons, for historical reasons, for uh, also cultural reasons. I mean, the, 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 the very fact that North Africa is uh, majority Muslim and also the states are its Muslim states makes it so that we have uh, kind of a, uh, a strong tie to the Muslim communities in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, I mean, just as an example, uh, um, people come from Senegal to Zawiyat uh, Infest uh, to go to the to Mecca for for the pilgrimage. So this is something very strong, and I think we need to acknowledge our commonalities. I think. The very fact that Morocco has much more infrastructure than the rest of the continent, for that matter, not just uh, uh, West Africa, um, makes it so that people think, oh, but it's they're not exactly like us. They're a bit, from the perspective of Sub-Saharan Africa, it's like they're a bit more European and then think of themselves as Europeans, even though it's more questionable than anything. I think we, we really need to find in the space of... Uh, of entrepreneurship and innovation uh, commonalities. I think a lot of products that are developed here are relevant there when it comes to, uh, you know, FinTech, for instance, the legislations are very different and the approach to, to seizing the opportunities are sometimes very different. Uh, but I think we have, at the end of the day, a lot of common challenges uh, and a lot of common practices and a lot of con uh, commonalities in consumption. So that's my perception of uh, this um, so-called divide. You know, you, you mentioned fintech, Hane, and I think that uh, the fact that there is uh, in, in the sub-Saharan uh, Francophone Africa, like a common uh, uh, currency to start with, is an enormous opportunity, you know, especially for, uh, for, uh, for fintech startups. Yes, exactly. So just a few words on Morocco. So uh, a country... Uh, just to, to complement what, what Anais was saying, uh, uh, we really like this market. We will not operate there, but I believe Morocco is one of the most dynamic uh, country. And I think you, you always see those dynamic countries. I mean, I'm Swiss. I've lived in Singapore in 10 years. And some of the best countries are the countries that have, don't have that much resources. So you need to find out how you're going to make money and how you're going to grow your economy and to be really dynamic. And I think Morocco is part of those countries where industry, tourism, many, many aspects, uh, uh, IT uh, is developing. So yeah, we're a we're, we're big fan of Morocco, but no plan for us to go uh, to North Africa. Uh, our mandate is definitely to look at Francophone Sub-Saharan. And it's a really, really interesting uh, part of the world. Uh, first, we speak the same language. So that's, uh, that's really strong. Um, also, the legal system is the same. So there's like some big roots on how you're going to act, the way you're going to be doing business. And uh, as you just raised, Matteo, one point is really important is that on covering 150 million people, we have two central banks on one currency system called France CFA. And the France CFA is back to euro, and which means that you are technically trading in a eurozone. So when you're doing lending, uh, can you imagine what's the difference? Because you don't have a fixed risk. And you don't have the inflation you're going to find in, you know, in many other countries in Nigeria or somewhere else. Uh, so it really simplifies your life, especially if you're raising a, a loan book like debt facility, as we've just started. Uh, same thing when, we, when you're doing payments, same thing when you're sending all the money from your investor you need, and you need to send it back. Um, so it's, I believe it's the best zone to do fintech in Africa. 
the funny thing is that I talk to some VCs around the world and some people, when I tell them that, they're like, oh, really? Oh, I think you're doing a mistake. You know, We know FinTech by heart. We wouldn't know if it would exist if it was a Eurozone. I'm like, sure, but it is. And, and that's the reality is that a lot of people are not even aware of this, that it's the best uh, zone to do FinTech currently right now um, in, in Africa. So that's why we're really excited about this because as we're building a super app, Super app is about building a daily engagement, okay, on a strong repeat on a, uh, with your users. So you need something for that. You know, there's no there's no, there's no secret recipes. Like either you have a chat, like we chat. Either you're doing transportation as we do, and you add delivery, and then you add multiple services because every morning you're gonna open the app to do something, uh, and then obviously you're gonna have all those payment and lending and access to capital. So to come back to to your point is. We believe uh, Francophone is the most exciting and more specifically on the fintech part. And because you have one currency, one language, uh, and you could, we, we decided when we started to look at Francophone as one big market. If you add DRC's 250 million people. So in terms of population, it's bigger than Nigeria. Thank you. Thank you, Rafael. And I actually think it's, it's also a great transition talking about you know, the best place for, for fintech. In the meantime, Alex, Alex uh, just joined us. Hi, Alex. Welcome back, actually, to Breaking Banks Europe. Are you there? Hello, Matteo. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Welcome. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Good you're you're you. fully you're fully forgiven. You know the reason the reason why I absolutely wanted you to uh, still you know connect to the to the show is because uh, you're actually organizing the Africa FinTech Forum, which I will be privileged to participate yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's 22, yeah. 24th of uh, November, and that's the reason November, why yeah. you're not sleeping at night and you you arrive late to the talk <laughs> show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Matteo. Of course, we are we are we are on, on stress because we are planning the I say that the, the leading fintech events in Francophone Africa, and as you said, it will be for the 23, 24 uh, of November in Abidjan, and we we'll, we will gather all the players from all around the world, and we are pleased to have you uh, uh, on this program, Matteo. Alex, give us a little bit uh, your your own background uh, and how is the, because you're also leading the, the local fintech association as well as uh, a network of fintech association across Africa. Which, by the way, for both of you, Hane and Rafael, is are going to be really useful. Okay, so um, I'm Alexi, as you said, I'm the uh, founder and director of Africa FinTech Forum, which is a, an organization that tries to advocate uh, with public and private authorities for FinTech development uh, to center FinTech, uh, to center financial technology as a leading part to develop our uh, economy, African economy. And for this, we are a lot of projects that we uh, that we developed. We, we set up FinTech Association. Uh, we did it in Cote d'Ivoire. I'm not the uh, the president of, the, of this association. The president is Mr. Paul Larry, the CEO of EcoBank, the big uh, bank in Cote d'Ivoire. And we set up also the Morocco FinTech Association and we are, uh, and also Niger FinTech Association. And we are working for to set up the Senegalese, the Tunisian FinTech Association. Uh, why 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 we 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 do this? 
we think that is important to have local um, local player that can uh, collaborate, that can um, uh, interact, that can um, put the point to the high level, to the decision maker, to the decision level. And it's important to, for us to have this connection, uh, to create this interaction between a FinTech Association in, in Africa. And also what we did, we tried to develop data management. We, we released a, a survey that we run with Deloitte African Francophone, uh, a FinTech mapping on uh, 20 Francophone Africa country. Is um, is the first survey on the fintech ecosystem that mapping the fintech ecosystem, and we are we are very pleased to to uh, to run this project with Deloitte and also with Microsave uh, Microsave Africa. And what we are trying to do is to develop also synergy to uh, to develop collaboration between fintech ecosystem between uh, country between financial center. And we have a partnership with financial center like Pigali, like uh, uh, we are we are we we start collaboration with Casa Financity. Uh, we also have partnership with some uh, with Loft Luxembourg from technology in order to create this big uh, place, this big app for, for for fintech. And first of all, I'm also the vice president of Africa FinTech Network, which is um, a continental organization uh, encompassing the uh, the National FinTech Association. And the president is uh, Mr. Dr. Segun from Nigeria. And we have something like 20, uh, 30, 30, 30 country, uh, 30 national FinTech Association in this organization. Thank you, Alex. Uh, and I'm actually an advisory to an advisor to yeah. that, uh, to that yeah. organization as well. You know, thank you, thank you for reminding me in this uh, in this uh, this show. Uh, all this to say that, uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Alex, for this intro. Can you stay? Can you stay with us for like one more question, maybe, and then uh, we'll yeah, let yeah. you go back to your to your mess and. Uh, and this uh, two weeks prior to event that we know okay. that we know so well, I was okay. actually about to ask uh, uh, Rafael, how does he see the collaboration and involvement uh, of the financial institutions of Francophone Africa? You know, because uh, there are actually local ones. You mentioned EcoBank. Uh, uh, there are like uh, very strong uh, uh, foreign global banks like Société Générale or BNP Paribas, who are actually BNP Paribas stronger in Northern Africa and Société Générale stronger for sure in, in, in Francophone Africa. How do you see this, uh, you know, their attitude in uh, collaborating with, uh, with the startup and, and dealing with the innovation, Rafael? So I think... As really global global bank in our market, uh, I think uh, Sogen, Société Générale is part of the only one. Or then we have, we have some Pan-African one. Uh, Sogen have their own mobile money. They have a product called Youp, so they're operating on their own. Uh, and I think from all the other Pan-African or local banks who have different types, I think some are not really open. Some are really open, including the, the bank with whom we're going to be uh, uh, partnering and issue our mobile money anytime soon. Uh, so it depends on the perception people have on the market. And it's true that now it's about, I would say, traditional banking and uh, embedded finance and really like uh, financial inclusion. And now I think the goal for Africa is we need to provide uh, uh, the first level of a wallet and transaction and a place where people can store money 
uh, can they build where they can build credit scoring and when they can uh, lend money. Uh, so all of this is happening now. And I think some banks are really looking into partnership, which actually I cannot disclose now, but the bank we were going to be partnering and that's going to be announced uh, in, uh, in, few, in a few weeks, uh, uh, beginning of the year. Uh, some are trying to do their own solution, uh, which is always difficult because wherever you look, huh, you don't even need to go to Africa, but even if you go uh, around Europe or even US, uh, you see what's going on with neo banks and traditional banks. I mean, I have a, I have a 20 year old daughter and uh, she's just using Revolut and N26 and she doesn't even care about uh, going to the large traditional bank where her dad uh, has a bank account. For us, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it's not cool, uh, it's not easy and she can uh, do all the things she's doing inside the app with her credit card. So we have a really a revolution in place. I think in Africa, it, it's, a, it's a bit different, but I think most of the institutions are aware and Africa had the, the, already the mobile money revolution uh, a while ago with all the telcos. It was a USSD uh, driven, and now we have a mobile application coming, uh, which makes a big difference on the experience and all the things we can include inside. And uh, it's true that the, the, the term embedded finance, uh, it's everywhere, but the reality is that uh, I think bankers try to make people believe that doing being a bank was something really complicated for the last 50 years until we've realized that it was not that complicated. And actually running com tech companies or industry company was much more complex. Uh, and that now, because you have all those fintech coming with a lot of services for API and whatever as a service, you can virtually build a bank or some, some financial services off the shelves with a lot of great companies outside. Uh, so... What I was saying is that we've seen uh, companies like Kodak disappearing and we, we see different things in the revolution of tech. And I think this decade is going to be the revolution for the fintech. Uh, I think fintech has been, for the last 10 years, they were like ants all around the banks and the banks were laughing the last 10 years. But I think the next 10 years is going to be completely the opposite. I think the banking, system, the, the banking industry overall is uh, completely under attack by the fintech industry everywhere. Uh, and I think in Africa, is going to be a bit less because I believe it's going to be a lot of strong partnership because you need to understand the local ecosystem uh, to work with the central bank, to understand Africa. So it's going to be a strong partnership with tech players and uh, strong uh, local banks. Thank you. Thank you, Rafael. So I wanted Alex to sort of uh, uh, build up, uh, agree or disagree, and also like uh, have his, uh, his point of view on uh, how banks are actually reacting to even this because banks are part of this uh, fintech associations right in theory and, and and in practice because directly or indirectly they are the ones that uh, startups go to either for funding or collaboration or like uh, to build to build products together how do you see this uh, this uh, collaboration slash competition alex uh, i think the point of Raphael is good is correct um we noted that there is Two time in collaboration uh, between fintech and bank. Uh, the first is that um, at the beginning, uh, the, the banks uh, was very um, uh, working opponently to the to the fintech. So they think that fintech cannot uh, um, bring something new in the ecosystem for the industry. They think that uh, uh, fintech are just uh, project leaded by young people. So uh, they will not uh, survive to the uh, to the to the competition, uh, but the reality is that uh, fintech are, 
are very strong now. And the second time, the second step of this collaboration uh, is that bank are very, some banks are very open to collaborate with, with fintech. I can I can share some 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 examples, some use cases, like uh, uh, EcoBank who set up a sandbox and invite fintech to uh, to plug to plug on the sandbox. Uh, I can also um, mention uh, Sogen, uh, who um, I was part of the fintech challenge, and the at the point during this um, this competition the, during this project is that uh, they want to collaborate, they want to be part of the fintech industry of um, of the fintech ecosystem, and they, I think that they appointed um, a deputy CEO, who uh, name Olivier in charge of uh, developing the, the collaboration, developing uh, the, the, uh, the relationship with FinTech, with innovation, with data management, et cetera. So there is, uh, there is, some, there is other example of bank of collaboration. So uh, my point is that uh, the, the bank must collaborate, they need to collaborate with, uh, with FinTech because FinTech bring, they bring innovation, they bring agility, as we say, they bring uh, resilience, as we said, but um, the solution or the technology they bring are very uh, adapted to the uh, to our local population uh, because they are uh, the the Rafael talk about credit credit um, credit management solution about um, credit rating solution. Uh, there is a lot of solution that have been developed by fintech, by uh, by by startup, and are very um, um, adapted to our continent. And and I think what we need to what we need to build is a very uh, interactive uh, ecosystem, a very interactive industry where collaboration could be a, a focus, where collaboration could be a uh, could be a pillar to to develop our 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 economy to develop uh, to develop the to to enhance the financial inclusion. But what we think is that we need to uh, to build a sort for the for the next year. Uh, we'll have a very a close collaboration, a very uh, interactive collaboration, inclusive uh, industry where banks and all the all the players like telco insurance fintech will work together and it's what we are we are trying to advocate thank you thank you alex i actually agree with both i actually i actually agree there will be a consolidation as rafa said and that there will be banks that probably won't survive to this uh, uh, even to this like a collaboration opportunities because uh, if if you don't you're likely to you know much likely to sink and on the other hand, uh, you know, the, the, the collaborating with fintech, especially for large banks, is almost a is almost a necessity because, uh, especially right after financial inclusion, uh, the financial inclusion step that is the whole like the lending process and micro lending, uh, and you simply cannot do with the current uh, banking infrastructure. Uh, Alex, thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, thank, uh, we thank we you, let Mateo. you go back at the organization. And yeah. I'll see you in Abidjan. See you in Abidjan. I hope to have also Rafael and Renata in Abidjan. Thank you for thank the invitation. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, Guys, let's take a short break and we'll come back with Hannah and Rafael in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. It's a wrap.
at timepledge.org. We are building the largest free coaching and advisory platform for entrepreneurs by providing mentorship opportunities based on pledge time. Our network of seasoned industry experts acting as coaches is working for free, pledging their valued time to the next generation of entrepreneurs who will change everything. Our portfolio of sessions goes over every skill an entrepreneur needs to successfully launch his or her startup, from how to pitch and behave with investors to how to best market your idea online or even how to best manage your team. We have the perfect sessions with the perfect mentors. Want to learn how to become the best entrepreneur you can be or mentor the next generation of entrepreneurs in Africa and Asia? Please visit timepledge.org and let's get you started. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe, show 105, uh, Breaking Impacts, focus on Francophone Africa. Uh, Alex left, you know, back to the tragedy of organizing uh, uh, like such a huge event in such a short uh, time with all the COVID restrictions. But, you know, remember Africa Fintech Forum, 22 to 24th of November, uh, we will actually put the link uh, in the show at uh, you know together with the uh, to, together with the, the transcription so we're back with uh, hannah and rafael and hannah sorry we didn't have time to sort of uh, gather your comments about uh, the financial services sort of vertical you know of this of this innovation trend also because uh, you work with uh, including uh, uh, you know mostly female entrepreneurs and workers into the system and the financial inclusion has to be the main driver for it right because uh, you know we all know that uh, if we could avoid any women in africa to bring uh, cash uh, you know and be paid in cash uh, just the security environment that we could build around that very simple innovation would be amazing Absolutely. First of all, I'd like to say kudos to, to Alex for organizing this event and, and kudos to all entrepreneurs on this continent making it happen no matter what. Now, to answer your question, I would say yes, my, my comments are going to be very broad because we haven't yet uh, deployed activities with Duartec uh, specifically on, on financial inclusion, but we're thinking about it. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. If we are to um, kind of uh, bring solutions or help uh, vulnerable youth uh, raise their, their resilience. It has to be through financial inclusion. I believe one of the reasons why um, fintech startups, in addition to a legislation that's quite different, the, the reason why fintech startups didn't pick up as much in North Africa as they did in, in Sub-Saharan Africa is because the, 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 the bank... Um, uh, the banks are, have been there for a while already and they have a strong power. Uh, so a lot of people actually have bank accounts. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's easy to find uh, with, with the research online. And, and uh, that made us kind of, uh, so far, uh, in my perspective, lose a little bit the opportunity of, of uh, the fintech revolution that happened in East Africa and is happening in, in West Africa. Because the solutions that are being brought and, and by uh, startups like uh, the one that Rafael is, is, uh, has, has uh, put together are, are by far uh, giving... Uh, um, 
uh, and, and tangible answers to main challenges. Yes, as a matter of fact, when women have access to money and money management tools that are clear, understandable, uh, and, and that allow for transparency, for community accountability, that uh, kind of shifts the power. Now, in North Africa, um, if you look at, uh, at the culture, um, women are, are a lot of times kind of, uh, uh, let's, it's, it's very strange, actually. It's a very patriarchal kind of society, of course, but it's very strange because a, a lot of uh, traditional families would, and, and, and men would prevent their uh, partner and their sisters, uh, the women and their family from working. And at the same time, Sometimes they exploit them. If you take especially vulnerable communities, a lot of people from rural areas come to the cities to, to work as, as maids, for instance. They bring back all the money. All the money is given to the families and they're left with nothing in the end. And it's a major issue because it's depriving them from the very uh, empowering experience of doing work that matters and, and investing in oneself and investing in their own dreams, right? And so I believe that uh, fintech have a role, uh, fintech startups have a role to educate better, uh, to of course include all those populations, but educate better on, on what is a healthy financial management. Uh, when you take also statistics, a lot of the, um, of the population in Morocco is in debt uh, they've been they started to consume a little bit like in Europe because they could see that it was available. So cars, uh, um, other other consumption goods, and in the end, they're kind of all in debt in, in ways that are not sustainable. So I think another main mission for fintech startups is definitely to teach people how to manage better their money, invest for their future, and perhaps have access to uh, uh, powerful tools that make it uh, more equitable, things like uh, cryptocurrency, NFTs. Uh, I hear and I participated in a lot of conversations where it's about distributed power, right? And so I believe these, these people have the right to be educated, to know that it exists and to perhaps have a chance to participate. So, Rafael, is, you know, I, I want to pick up in, on, on, on a couple of uh, uh, concepts that uh, Hannah just uh, uh, sort of talked about. Because, you know, for, for a long time, we have been, uh, in my opinion, uh, misinterpreting the financial inclusion with uh, giving bank accounts to people, right? And that was like phase zero. And then, uh, you know, giving a mobile wallet to someone, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is, is the same technically as uh, including her financially. But may actually start up like, like Gozem and another, you mentioned embedded finance, are, in my opinion, the next big opportunity for financial inclusion, where basically, if, uh, if you are today a Gozem client, technically, you're financially included already because you have a wallet, uh, you have, as a driver, you have a wallet attached to it. You know, you can, uh, you can ask for a microloan, you can, finance your vehicle, you can, uh, you know, re receive your money, carry your money, your money digitally. So, Rafael, you don't need to, like, explain why Gozem is so great. I just did. But I really would like you to, so, to, to give me your uh, sort of uh, 
uh, you're thinking of, what does it really mean to financially include people? Sure. So I think the best way, uh, let me tell you about the journey of our driver, of our champion, okay? And what we did in like when we arrived in Togo. Uh, a lot of people thought like, you know, like, same as Uber, we created a market. We didn't create a market. When we arrived in Togo, we saw there was like 10, hundred thousands of moto taxi everywhere. Okay. Informal market in the street, taking cash. You borrow money from a guy you don't know with really, really high rate. Someday you can, you have some fuel. Someday the bike broke up. Someday you fight with the other guy. So, and that at scale of 10 or of 100,000 of people, okay, doing this job because they have no job. So they take a bike and they go in the street. And we say, okay, we're going to, now what we're going to do is we're going to boost and formalize this industry. Okay, we're not going to reinvent everything because we're not a government. We're not going to build a factory or create jobs. But what we're going to do is that something was seen as a really bad job. And that's what happened when we arrived in those countries. People say, what are you doing? Those guys are in the street and they're not educated. Uh, they will never understand what you're doing. And we said, oh, we're going to go step by step. And we said, first, we're going to train them. Second, we're going to give them a smartphone. Then we're going to train them how to use the smartphone. They're going to use our app. They're going to understand what they're doing every day because they have a dashboard and they understand how is their, is their revenue. We're going to provide them more uh, revenue. We're going to send them some clients. And we're going to help them manage their PL. Okay, so here it's, it's doing business. Okay, so and people tell me, yeah, but you are uh, you're dreaming, you know, you're coming from uh, from Europe, from Singapore, uh, and I say, no, we're not dreaming. It's just we need to to provide a tool, and today it's working, and, and this is the reality because our driver today, our champions, are able to see exactly how they're working with their dashboard every day. Uh, at the same time, we give them a smartphone that open up them to the world. And it's true that a lot of them now, they will watch the news and they go on YouTube and they, and they do different type of, uh, of, of training uh, and directly install different apps. Um, at the same time, we've been able to provide them a cheaper bike, okay? Because now they have a real leasing company in front of them and they don't have an unstable lender with really high rate. And one day he wants to buy, one day there's a fire or something. We're an institution for them, no? And it's true because at the beginning, when they've add their revenues in, in, our, in, in the wallet, every day they were drawing the money because they didn't have any trust. And now with time, we see that the, the amount of deposit in our wallet is going up, 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 up with the revenues they're making every day. Um, and they're repaying their bike. And then we started to make deals for them. So uh, most of our drivers, the Monday, they buy the food for the family. So we give them cheaper food. Uh, we buy in bulk. They can pay in 14 installment. Uh, so that's really our, that's part of our impact. Uh, uh, initiative we're doing we don't make any money on this things we make money things we don't make money so we're deciding uh, on some of them but the reality is that now they have a new bike they do the repair they go to total who's one of our partner uh, to make a full tank in the morning so the bikes uh, makes a longer time because they don't put like a, a bad oil inside uh, they make more revenues they're online uh, they understand about security they understand about maintenance and they understand that they're repaying their bike really fast. And soon they're going to buy a second bike and rent the first one they have. And they're already asking us for special loan for the school of their kids, special loan to go to the bank and get credit scoring certificate. They're formalized. There are, we're, we're, we're building a new a first layer of middle class in those countries for something that was completely informal. And people were saying, those people are left alone. And now they're completely structured. They come, they have equipment, helmet, a license, uh, a, a brand new bike, and we're completely transforming this. 
But the beauty is that this driver for us is a real consumer. He has a credit scoring, now he's consuming. We know who is he, and the reality is true. Part of those drivers are not, are not hardworking people. They come and they try to scam us and stuff. And now we know they are, we have a process, and we eliminate 99% of them, and they're going away. But the big part of all our drivers are dad with four kids working hard and want to help their family and bring and, and want to send their kids to school. And we even have some interns in our company who are the kids of our drivers to tell you how far we go. So just to give you a bit on, on the journey and how it works. And it's true that when we started this company, we, to be honest, I knew a little bit about ESG and the impact and all of this. And with time, all, a lot of, uh, of impact people, and actually that's how we met <laughs> Mathieu, by the way, uh, came to see us and say, guys, what you're doing, it's great. It's amazing. And that's, this is how we realized that by default, we were an ESG impact project on what we were doing, but our business is to get our driver richer, and we're just taking a cut on this, but it makes everybody happy, hopefully. Absolutely, Rafael. And indeed, that's how we, that's how we met. It was through like Bamboo Capital Partners, uh, you know, as, as an impact investor. And I was actually, thank you for giving me that, that perch because I was, uh, uh, I was actually about to say that one thing that I've learned in my like journey as, a, as an impact investor is that there is a sector that I didn't really understand what it was until I started looking at African company and is ed tech, you know, education tech. And Hannah, you know, you, you you have been you have been in this in this world uh, like uh, uh, much closer than than me as a as a as an entrepreneur. You have been you have been close as an entrepreneur to this world much more as me as as an investor. But I actually believe that uh, in emerging economies, uh, you know, Rafael, to keep uh, to keep like using your image is not because the driver has an helmet and an app and a funded vehicle and, and and a digitized income that knows how to wisely spend the money, right? Because some of them will just say that they have money and they would not understand, you know, the balance between, you know, buying something or like over and that in themselves versus, uh, you know, giving it away to something that doesn't make sense. So, and this is, that's why the financial inclusion term, it is almost uh, as important as what we call the financial literacy, right? Or, or, or financial health. Uh, Hannah, would you, would you agree with what I just said? Absolutely. I think uh, to Raphael's point, I believe that, and, and I've been witnessing that very much, tech startups have done the job, perhaps without the intention, the initial intention sometimes, but sometimes with this intention to uh, raise the level of awareness of, of a practical education of skill uh, capacity building. If I take um, apps like Uber, well, Uber has tried in Morocco, it kind of failed, but Karim uh, was successful. Um, when it comes to uh, training the drivers in terms of uh, service uh, and, and really how to, to treat a client and in a professional way, uh, and also be listed, be officially listed to do activities that are not informal, it's been immense. And I think we have to uh, uh, recognize that very added value um, that tech startups have are bringing uh, 
Um, now, it doesn't replace the other EdTech initiatives. And if anything, I believe it has to work together because it's benefiting uh, from one another. Uh, a hub like Duartech, and there are many others in, in the continent, are definitely uh, kind of trying to bring this education to people to tell them you can build tech if you want. You can participate in this massive fest that tech is around the world. And you can do it in a way that uh, that uh, enters your community's need. And we've witnessed this as Duar Tech. We did the, the Tech Entrepreneurs Program for 450 hours of training last year. And we did a hackathon after six months. And people that didn't have... Um, you know, they didn't even had used Excel at the start of the program. We're able to build web apps. A lot of those web apps were about educating their communities, bringing health solutions to their communities and so on and so forth. So what I'm saying here is that we, we have to kind of work together to indeed raise the, the, the digital literacy and the financial literacy. And I think we can work together with, with, uh, uh, people like Gozem, if they want to set trainings aside, because we would have this expertise in terms of methodology, in terms of platform, in terms of approach, in terms of a lot of contextualization of 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 uh, of, uh, of content uh, to 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 really raise the bar and 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 make sure that the work that these people are doing is dignifying and is impacting in, in a very positive and sustainable way their households, their communities, and the, the countries at the end of the day. With this uh, potential collaboration opportunity between uh, Duartec and, and Gozem, uh, pitched live uh, by Hannah <laughs> to Rafael, which I think is actually a great idea. Uh, our time is up. Uh, I would love to thank you very much, both of you, for being with us. And uh, like uh, 20 seconds with a tweet, how, how can people uh, reach you? Uh, Hannah? Duartech.com uh, website. At Bihan, B-E-E-H-A-N-E, -E -E, um, or on my email, b.h-a-n-a-e at gmail.com. And of course, check out our website, duartech.org, and our social media, Duartech, Duar, D-O-U-A-R, and tech. Duar is a village in Moroccan Arabic. It's, uh, that's, that's why we, we name ourselves uh, this way. Thank you, Rafael. Gozem.com, I guess, right? Yeah, Gozem.com for the company. If you want to talk to me, connect with me on LinkedIn. I accept 95% of people generally. And you can just send me a message, tell me what you want to do. And I'm always happy to have a chat. Great. Thank you for being with us once again. We'll come back to talk about Francophone Africa soon. Stay with us, guys. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you, Matteo. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe. <laughs>